Daily Dirt Nap, Money Talks. Own your life. With Jared Dillian and Money Talk on The Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers. Talk 94.5. It is the To Tell the Truth Day on The Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers. And on the hot seat is the one and only Jared Dillian, home from his globe trotting. Where in the world was Jared Dillian? I was in New York City for two weeks. <gasps> what was that like? How did you get out? How did I get out? Yeah. It, it, you know, oh, I, gotta, I know how. I know how Kurt Russell helped you. The weather is a lot nicer there. It's, <laughs> I mean, it was hot, but the humid. Oh my God, coming back to this humidity was. It's really tough. You mean here it's yeah, hot? Yeah, really? Oh, yeah. You're hot. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice up there. It's funny when I lived up there like 15 years ago. I used to think it was super hot. Mm-hmm. It's not hot up there. It's <laughs> not. <laughs> Like my, mo- I called my mom. She's on Long Island. She's like, "It's so hot! It's so hot!" I go, "But Ma, you're sitting in an air conditioning." I know, but it's so hot outside. I was like, what? <laughs> "I'm like, you're sitting in AC." So, um, Jared, uh, tell us what did you do up in New York City? Were you spinning uh, records? I did. I did uh, have a gig. Hmm. I, I did play a party. It was at a. Uh... How's my mic? Okay. I'm going um, to straighten it. It was hanging to the right a little. <laughs> Straightening it out. So, yeah, I played a party in the Lower East Side, so I did that. But I was working for Bloomberg. Um, I have an internship with Bloomberg what? this summer. And the reason I have that's this so internship is... Are you is, getting paid? I am getting paid. Oh, yeah. that's is the best really kind. Is it really an internship then if I you're know, getting paid? I know. It sounds like a job. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, basically my job was to write op-eds. So I wrote a bunch of op-eds while I was there. I also worked with their social media people. So I did Twitter spaces pretty much every day. Wow. I did TikTok. I did Instagram. So... Wow. I'm, I'm continuing to do that the entire for summer for them. Yeah. And I'm also going back the first two weeks of August to do the same thing. Are you gunning for a job? No, no, no. This oh. is so the reason I'm, I got this yeah. internship is for my MFA program. Oh, that's right. You're yeah. trying to get your master's. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. Yeah. And they're paying you. They are paying me 60 bucks an hour. What the heck? Yep. I've never heard of an internship paying that much. Me either. I'll quit and get Max, how much do you get paid to intern here? <laughs> nothing, and he likes it. <laughs> oh, that's the theme. Yeah. Theme nothing, is nothing. Yeah, the same. Um, so, okay, so to tell the truth. I got um, one for him. Okay, go ahead. Because it On has On the to PCRX do- Mobile no, Outfitters text line? from me. Oh. Because I retweeted it, and I have no idea what it means, but I like it. Okay. You know what I mean? This is from your Twitter account, speaking of Twitter. It says, how to be a fintwit pundit in one lesson. Pick an accent, then be bullish on it all the time. Half the time you'd be right, half the time you'd be wrong. Be louder when you're right, be quieter when you're wrong. You will look like a genius. Here ends the lesson. <laughs> what is the fint wit? What is that? Well, that's finance Twitter. Oh. So, like so there's, it's a fin twit. So there's a whole Got finance it. Twitter like subculture mm. like within Twitter. So I mean, if you, for example, like if you if you went to my page and you followed all the people I followed, you'd have a pretty good idea of what's going on in finance Twitter. So, I okay. mean, you're in politics Twitter. You follow all the politics. People. I do. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But we follow each other. I feel like, wow, he follows me. It's so awesome. Mm. <laughs> so, Jared, do you have a, a question for Nick that you always wondered about that you'd like the truth for? He has none. No, I really have none. No, Told I mean, you. you put me on he's, the spot. I don't he's know. Disinterested. Are you disinterested yeah. in Nick? Well, I, I mean, I could I could ask a question about the army. There so, what rank did you attain in the army? Truth, uh, captain. <gasps> no, <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> special, uh, not a specialist. I'm sorry, uh, PFC, 
So that's the E three. That's the E three. E three. So you, so you were only in a couple years. Just then. two years. Yeah. Two years. And yeah. then I did. Uh, re- res- well, it was reserve, but reserve moved, so they gave me the option to do guard. So I did two years active, and then I did two years guard, and then I did six years inactive and almost got called up for Desert. Remember when it was Desert Shield? Yeah. They put us all on emergency standby, and then that thing was over in like three days. Yeah. I said, never mind. Interesting. So I was done. So I have a question for you. Yep. Uh, Truth. If you could achieve one thing in the near future, what would it be? Get my book published. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... um, my new book, which is called No Worries, How to Live a Stress-Free Financial Life, I've been working on the proposal with my agent really for the last eight months, and we're getting down to tag ends, uh, just working on line edits now. And I, hopefully, we're going to be selling this proposal to publishers in the next few weeks or a mm-hmm. month, and I really want a book deal. Mm. Now, and I think there's about an 80 or 90% chance that I'll get one. If I don't get one, I'll self-publish it, but um, yeah, I- that. I, I really, I really want a book deal. Mm, okay, I like it. I actually um, was reading a, a book that was written by uh, people locally who have their own business, and um, the Lombardos, and they wrote a book of how to be successful in business and in love, and it was kind of like how they got um, together as a couple, and then eventually got married. But they've been in business on and off, ups and downs, up and you know, like that, and how to get through all of that and family and everything. <clears throat> and it was a self-published book, but you know what? There are some books that really change your life, like it changes your perspective. Has there ever? And that that for me, I love that book. Uh, they're the people that own the um, uh, what's the name of that company? Uh, Custom Care down in Myrtle Beach where they do the reupholstery and redo all sorts of uh, things in any vehicle. So what I wanted to know, is there a book that's impacted you? And and is that what you're trying to do with this book? Uh, I mean, yes, that is what I'm trying to do. Um, I'd say the, the, you know, the one author that's impacted me the most was a guy named Barry Hanna, who... Um, was from Mississippi. He he was a professor at Ole Miss, and he wrote mostly short stories. He had a couple of novels. He passed away about ten years ago. The guy was an absolute genius. Hmm. And 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 Barry Hanna, of all the books he wrote, he never had one sell more than seven thousand copies. Hmm. But if you asked the best writers in the world who their favorite writer was, really? they would say Barry Hanna. I got to write this down. The just absolute genius and he wrote a short story called Testimony of Pilot mm-hmm. which was it's it to, to this day it's my favorite short story of all time. So probably my greatest writing influence is Barry Hannah followed by John Updike. I would say John Updike mm, is number yeah. 2. Yeah. Interesting. All right, I have another question for you. Truth. Do you know what your wife's dream is? Uh, I think her I to think marry her, you. I think <laughs> I think her current dream is to get this house built. Honestly, oh, yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. Is she home a lot? Because I know she went to Jordan uh, to do her archaeological. So she's home this summer. She's home this summer. Mm-hmm. She's not traveling this summer. Um, yeah, I mean, professionally, like she always has goals. Like she's in the beginning stages of another book. She finished a book last she year. She wrote a book. Oh yeah, she's written several. Yeah. Really? Yeah. About what? Archaeology. Yeah. Like like what about it? 
Well, the last one she did was, it was about an archaeologist in the 1800s named Charles Conrad Abbott, who was in New Jersey, and sort of did a, a biography of him. So she's, yeah, she's super smart. Wow. Yeah. That is that is so cool. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, I Actually, I don't think I've ever met an archaeologist. Do you know? I mean, like, that's not a field that I would really end well, up. Well, believe it or, believe it or not, there's there's like commercial archaeology in the private sector in this country. I mean, for example, if you're going to put in a housing development, you have to do an environmental impact statement, you know, that's required by uh-huh. the government and you have to go in and basically survey and excavate any cultural material which is archaeological remains. So if you see these big housing developments that are put in or highways or anything like that, like they're hiring archaeologists really? to go in and check it out before they build. Interesting. I wonder what 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 would she say what do you think is like the biggest find that she had? Uh I don't know, like her dissertation research was super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I she, find that subject very interesting because I watch a lot of History Channel stuff with archaeologists. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. I think it's cool, especially like when they discover something. Yeah, yeah. She uh, her dissertation research was about these uh, objects made of obsidian in California. Mm-hmm. California has a number of extinct volcanoes, mm. and they're they're recently extinct. There's one that's really only about 800 years old, mm. and uh, you know the Native Americans would sort of take the obsidian and make these ceremonial objects out of it, basically these big blades that were like three feet long and they were called bifaces. And she basically, using a chemical analysis, tracked how they moved across the country. Wow. Yeah. She's really, really smart and accomplished. Very interesting. All right, what do you think about our uh, inflation and this Boris Johnson, he, he's still talking. He's yakking up there. Um, he's resigning as we speak. The British prime no, he, minister. They're replaying it. He's done. I saw him walk away. Oh, okay. So um, what do you think about that? What's that going to do to the stock market? And where are we going with inflation, recession? Well, so July 13th is when the next inflation data comes out. Uh, it's CPI. And I haven't I haven't looked to see what the expected number is. My personal view is that it's going to come in much lower. Now, the last reading was 8.6%, mm-hmm. which absolutely freaked out the markets. Like, it was really mm-hmm. bad. Um, I think this is going to come in potentially a lot lower, potentially below 8%, somewhere in the 7%. Really? Yeah. Uh, the economy is slowing down a lot. If you look at all the regional manufacturing surveys, like Richmond Fed and Dallas Fed and Philly Fed, they're all coming in much lower. They're coming in negative territory. It seems as though we're probably going to get a recession. The supply chain stuff is eased up. So I think I really I really think inflation is going to come in lower, and I think it's going to be very positive for the stock market. Mm. Okay, so positive for the stock market. What about the individual? Well, I mean, the one thing to remember about inflation is that, you know, when I say inflation is coming in lower, that doesn't mean we're having deflation. It doesn't mean that prices are coming down. It just means they're going up slower, mm-hmm. right? Like if we, let's say we get 7.8% inflation, like That's we still, still have inflation. It's just a little slower than it was before. But I think it'll come down to about 5% by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we've seen uh, a gas trickling down. Yep. So the big thing was, you know, the barrels of oil had come down a lot more than the gas price. It wasn't reflected proportionately in the gas prices. So Biden was um, calling upon the gas 
gas station owners to say, hey, yeah, that's, get that your- That was the dumbest thing of all time. He is such time. an idiot. Oh He's like, God. lower your prices. You know, it is, it is absolutely shocking that there is not one person- in the White House that understands the business of a gas station. Mm-hmm. Gas stations, on average, have about a seven-cent margin, profit margin on gas. Sometimes less, sometimes two cents or five cents. Wow. And they make their money off of selling big gulps in the store. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like, that's how they make their money. They're not making any money on gas. So if you tell a gas station owner to, to lower his price to cost, they'll be like, sure, I'm just going to raise prices on everything in the store. Mm-hmm. It's it's ridiculous. Having said that, oil has gone from about $120 a barrel to $98 a barrel. This is mostly because of the SPR release. Okay, Strategic Petroleum. Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's mostly because of the SPR release. We're releasing about a million barrels a day into the system. It's bringing prices down. This is temporary. I mean, this is this is temporarily lowering prices. Once we stop releasing oil out of the SPR in a couple of months, prices are going to go back up again. Mm. Now, having said that, the refiners, have you ever heard of something called a crack spread? No. No. Okay. So basically, the refiners buy crude oil and they refine it into gasoline. And the crack spread refers to the profit margin that the refiners have when they refine crude oil into gasoline. They sell the gasoline. Right now, crack spreads are at all-time highs. So profit margins for the refiners are higher than they've ever been, mostly because of supply and demand factors with gasoline. That is also going to come down. So you're going to see gas prices continue to go down. On on my way here, uh, I saw gas at like $4 in Merle's Inlet. Wow. It's probably going to come down to three fifty, three sixty. Okay. Uh in the near term. Well, what so. do you say about that? But then that? go back up, you're saying. Then they will go back up. Yeah. Okay, Tucker and Laura both had this whole thing on and it came from an article that was released a couple of days ago about Reuters saying that we're actually shipping this oil from the strategic reserves to other countries that are not necessarily our friends and it's not really making much of a dent at all. Uh, no, I disagree with that. Okay. No, it's no, it's making it's definitely making a dent. Yeah. You know, Bloomberg uncovered that story back in November 2021. I started looking back <clears throat> in archives and saying, how come we never knew that that China was getting this the oil from the strategic reserves? I mean, the thing when you release oil out of the SPR, it glo- it goes into the global markets. So oil is fungible. Like a barrel of oil is a barrel of oil. And whether it goes to China or South America or wherever else in the world, it doesn't really matter. But the increased supply is bringing prices down. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I mean, for sure, some of the oil that we are releasing from the SPR could be ending up someplace else. But but it's still bringing prices down. But Okay, but it's still having the same impact. So we're not supposed to keep it all for ourselves. It's for the greater good. Because the oil prices and the gas prices is a global issue. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I believe that, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add, Jared? Uh, You're going to be DJing my birthday party July yes. 21st at Abuelo's, 5 to 7. Yes. I'm going to play really depressing music. No. <laughs> no. And no. You better have an excellent supply of disco. No, he's not going to play that kind of music. Her. It's your birthday. What's he going to play? He's going to play dance music, but his kind. Yeah. Uh, right, Jared? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's an artist. He's an artist. When you come to play your music at at a party, I don't tell you what to play, do I? Uh, Actually, you do. 
Well, I tell you what not to play. <laughs> but Jared is, is an artist in his own right. So he's going to play music that we can dance to. It's got to be danceable. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. I love it. Wait, what is depressing dance music? No, I didn't. No, he's just <laughs> he's, he's just depressing. pulling my leg. Is he pulling your leg? I am. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any truth questions for me, Jared? No. See, he's so disinterested in us, Nick. Oh, I know. <sighs> I know. I feel so small. I know. We're being used. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? He loves it. Mm. It is 751 on the Liz Cal. That's your phone. This is my phone. Look, it looks the same. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I grabbed your phone. I'm sorry. He got upset. Except mine has a cat on it. Yeah. Mine has my dad. All right. 751. We'll be back in a moment.